0: Okay, all right. So, where are we? What are we doing today? Um, we began a little series on the uh, the topic of being in the world but not of the world. Have you heard that before? We're believers. We are in the world. We're not of the world. It comes from something Jesus said. Um, what does it mean? What does it mean to be in the world but not of the world? Well, not of the world. Well, that picks up a little bit on what Avange was talking about in the message last week. Uh, He talked about some of the defining marks of this current generation of the culture we live in. Some of the the defining values and the things that this culture lives for. uh, Worships, if you want to use that word. Chases after. And we saw that it is in many ways in contrast to the way that Jesus called us to live and and lay down our lives for him. We saw that there's a difference between the way that the world lives and and the way that we're called to live. Uh, Peter, in one of his letters, talked about uh, the corruption of the world. Um, That's what Jesus meant when he said, we're not of the world. We're not of that. So... What about the, but we're in the world? What do we do if if we've seen the Bible that the world, the values of the world are in contrast to the call of God, how do we live? And notice, I'm not asking the question, how do we survive in the sense of like, well, we gotta keep ourselves safe, right? We gotta keep ourselves safe until Jesus comes back or until we die. If that was the only goal, staying safe and surviving, Well, then maybe we should just go Amish, right? Maybe we should just separate ourselves from everything, go live in a bunker, um, protect ourselves from the sinful world, and then we'll be fine. But that's not what Jesus meant when he said we are to be in the world. Uh, What did Jesus say? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Here's what I'm getting at He sent us all as missionaries, we're here with a mission. The Christian task is not just to survive. The Christian task is to live as a missionary, as a light. So this is the question that I want to pose today. We're not to be of the world in the sense that we see that the world is, is corrupted. We see that in, in lots of ways. We're not to be of that, but how do we engage with this world? How do we engage with the world that is broken and corrupt? How do we engage in a way that's gonna be fruitful. When Jesus sent us to be not of the world, but in the world, how do we do that? And we're gonna look at a a passage that is really a great passage that gives us an example of of someone being a missionary. And once more, we're all called to be missionaries. We're a church of missionaries. We're all on mission. If if we're a Christian, we are by definition on mission. How do we do it? I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna walk through a passage together. And we're going to see this, okay? Father God, this is your word. In myself, I am not uh, qualified, Lord, but in you I am qualified uh, to preach your truth in a way where people are able to perceive that it's your spirit in me speaking. Let us sit and, and listen and let me speak and let it all be... Um, you, Lord, and let you be evident. Let your spirit, let your truth be evident. We ask this in your name, Jesus, amen. Okay, so the passage of scripture we're looking at is Acts chapter 17. Uh, beginning verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens... Then they took him and brought him into a meeting of the Oropagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas." Okay, so where do we begin? Where do we begin? Um, The Apostle Paul is not in Jerusalem. He is in uh, Athens. So he's in a culture that is not founded uh, on the Scriptures. In contrast to, you know, the Jewish culture that, at least in theory, you know, was was founded in the the Scriptures. So he's a missionary. And he's a missionary sent to a non-Christian culture, okay, which we should be able to relate with in that regard. And it starts out where he's walking along, you know, and it says that he, verse 16, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. And um, commentators have pointed out um, that that term, greatly distressed, uh, the way it's translated is probably not strong enough. Uh, the, the Greek word is uh, which is where we get the English word, you might know this if you're in the medical world, um, paroxysm. I probably didn't pronounce that right. Paroxysm, uh, which is a, a, like a sudden, violent, like uncontrollable, like body movement or like a fit of emotion. So, in other words, the Apostle Paul sees the idols of the city, and he's on the verge of losing it. Okay, he's he's the the ESV I think says he was provoked. All right, the NIV says greatly distressed. He's he's very disturbed about the things the idols the things that the people live for and worship and which 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 begs a small question i mean is that good is that right is it is it good and right for christians to be really disturbed by the ways that the culture lives uh yeah yeah i mean part of loving what is good is is not loving and, and even despising what isn't i mean you see this in uh you got the, the prophet Elijah. He was he was he was losing it one day, he was on a verge of just like giving up, and the Lord found him. What are you doing, Elijah? And he's like, I've been jealous for the Lord, but the people serve idols. Or, or you know, you jump to the, the New Testament, and, and we talked about this recently. We got that old testament fellow Lot, and that guy was profoundly had issues. Okay, Lot. You read it, and you're like, this guy has issues. He has major, major issues. His priorities priorities were all messed up. And you're really surprised when you read in the New Testament that he's called a righteous man. But it tells you why he was righteous. One of the things about him is his heart was grieved about the way the world lived around him. Okay? It's a mark, it's a mark of God working in you. You're, you're grieved. You're greatly distressed about the way the world lives in contrast to the ways of God. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we're greatly disturbed and sickened uh, and it it comes out in, like, hatred of people. Um, Just the opposite. Uh, The Apostle Paul is not going to just despise these people and come out, you know, um, unloading hatred. As we were talking about this passage, someone on our, our preaching team said, you know, this passage is really a conversation of love. And that's exactly it. We're, we're going to see that. Okay? This doesn't manifest itself in hatred. He's disturbed, but he goes running right into it with a heart of love. Uh, this is the same guy that says the love of Christ compels us. But nevertheless, he's, he's disturbed for sure. Um, and he runs into, these, uh, um, he runs into these, these Greek philosophers, the Epicureans and the Stoics. And uh, There was a time in my life where I got a philosophy degree some years ago, and I'm tempted to go into detail about what the Epicureans and the Stoics believed. It's, it's interesting. Um, perhaps it'll come up in the q and I'm going to leave that alone for now. But what's interesting to me is that no matter where you go, it seems like you have the people splitting into two groups. Just, I mean, the the, the Epicureans and the Stoics debated with one another in, uh, in Athens, just like the Sadducees and the Pharisees debated with one another in Jerusalem, just like the Democrats and the Republicans debate with one another where I come from in the U.S. And you probably can see, it seems like wherever you go, the people are... Breaking into two sides, but what's interesting that's happening here, and it also happened in Jerusalem, is these two sides that debate each other are teaming up <laughs> to debate with Paul. <laughs> just like the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they teamed up to debate with Jesus, where, where you got the world and it splits into two parts, and something that actually grieves me is a lot of times Christians just jump right into one side as if that's our identity, okay? Okay. Um, when the, the world splits into two parts, uh, there, there might be things on this side that I agree with and, and the things on this side I maybe I also agree with or disagree with, but we're not, we're not of that, okay? Um, it's a longer conversation for a longer time, and I spoke on that a few weeks ago. Maybe, maybe you remember it. So I'm gonna leave that alone, okay? Other than to say the Apostle Paul is here and he, he's talking with these philosophers, and it says these philosophers... All they would do is sit around and talk about the newest idea. That's what it says in verse 21. That's all they did, was sit around and talk about the newest idea. And I I remember, actually, when I was a philosophy major, getting bored with it all. There's a point where it just seems like all these lofty ideas, it just seems like, I'm getting to the point where I just feel like I've heard it all, and it's, it's all just mushing together into, I don't know, um, it's just all the same. I mean, the, 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 the verse holds true. There's nothing new under the sun, right? All these ideas. But, but then the Apostle Paul comes in, and now it's something new. Now it's like we've never heard anything like this before. That's what they say. And what he's preaching is what it says literally, the good news, the gospel of Jesus and the resurrection, Very much connected. Easter is coming up, so it's good to have this in our mind. Something very central to our message that I think is actually underplayed is the truth of the resurrection, the resurrection of the body. It's a big part of our message. All who are in the dust, all who are in the ground will be resurrected, as Jesus said. Some for the resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the unjust, but we will return to flesh. That's a very... That's a very strange idea to many of the philosophers, and, and Paul is saying this is central, the good news of Jesus, trust in him. Um, the good news. I'll come back to that, I'm sure. Um, but there's a problem. Paul has a problem, and it is the missionary problem, okay? He has a problem. The people say, okay, this is uh, verse 18, um, it says, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. That's his problem, okay? Let me explain. That is the missionary problem. That is our problem. We have this Savior that we believe in, this God whom we trust in. But to the world, to those who are outside the faith, they, they, they have this idea, well, well, that works for people like you, Okay? That's a religion for people like you. It's not a religion for people like me. That's a, a foreign God, okay? Do you understand? This is the great thing that separates so much of us from the message. I remember very clearly growing up, not in a Christian family, I had this concept of who Christians were, and they were very different than me, okay? That type of religion is for people who think that way. It's not for people like me. That's what's going on. That's what the Apostle Paul has to overcome. And that's what we have to overcome. And that's gonna come out. You're gonna see in in Paul's words, that's what he's trying to address. He's trying to help the people see this isn't a foreign God. This is a God for you. This is your God, okay? Watch how he does it. This is important. We're talking about how to be a missionary. Watch what he does, okay? Verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown god, So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he gives himself every, rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Okay. So like I said, the Apostle Paul walked around the city and he was, He was very, very disturbed. And now is his opportunity to speak. And notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't come out swinging. Sinners, you know, you filthy sinners. Okay, you idolaters. He doesn't come out with that, does he? He's concerned about idolatry, but that's not how he he does it. He actually starts by affirming them, doesn't he? He starts by, by seeing something that he can affirm, okay? I like that you're religious. I like that you're seeking transcendence, okay? I see that, and it's good. He is disturbed, but he sees something that he can, he can connect with. And he sees something. He says, he says uh, um, I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, and I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God, So he's saying, again, this isn't a foreign, he's basically saying, this isn't a foreign God I'm trying to tell you about. He found something within their ways, within their worship, that he can connect God to. He's saying, I'm not introducing you a, a new God, you already have him, I just want to help you clarify something else, he's affirming the fact that like, hey, you guys recognize that you might have missed something, that's very good. So he's looking for something he can connect with. He's looking for something he can affirm. This is, this is, on one hand, this is just about making a connection, okay? We like people who like us, right? <laughs> I mean, that's not complicated, all right? Treat people rude, they're not going to listen to you, all right? Hey, I like your shirt. Oh, okay, yeah, you're cool. What else do you have to say? You know, I mean, that's all, it's not complicated, so he's nice, okay? So he's nice. He's, he's affirming them. He sees something he can affirm. That's a good, that's a good way to be a Christian, right? Um, but there's something else that perhaps is more important. He tells them, He's like, I was walking around and looking carefully at your objects of worship. What's that? What's that? He's like, I was walking around and I was looking carefully, I was paying attention. Um. So, I, it, it's great. The Lord's given me a relationship uh, with one of my neighbors, and uh, we've been hanging out lately, and um, he comes from a, a village outside of Montreal in Quebec, and, uh, you know, here in the West Island, you can go everywhere and speak English, and it seems like that's, it's easy to forget that you're living in Quebec, you know, but that's less so outside of the West Island, And um, and he was... He was telling me, uh, you know, uh, if you don't speak French, the people will forgive you, but uh, they want to see something. And he taught me this phrase. uh, Here I go practice. (laughs) Je ne parle pas français. Mais, 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 je veux... (laughs) Apprends <laughs> par <le> français. <laughs> Most of you seem to know, I don't speak French, but I want to learn to speak French. You know, you say that, you say that, and the people say, oh, okay, so you actually care, okay? So you actually care about listening to us and learning what we're about rather than just you know walking around in your way of thinking. Once more, you're trying to bridge this gap. They think it's a foreign God, you see? He's trying to come to their side and show them that he cares. Imagine if I was to go to one of these villages as a missionary, and they can, they can understand English largely, okay? What if I just went around preaching the gospel in English, not even acknowledging that they're French speakers? They would understand what I'm saying, but they're not going to lean in and listen, right? So the Apostle Paul is saying, I've been looking carefully at your ways. All right? It's, it's, it's about building that connection, right? It's about building that connection and, and helping them see that this is a God for all peoples. Okay? It's not just a God for people like me. Um, and then, okay, then... After making a connection, after affirming them, so being kind, after making the connection, after showing that he cares, after building a little bit of trust, well, then he speaks some truth. Okay? Then he speaks some truth. The God who made the earth and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's correcting them in this way. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Now, after building a connection, he's he's saying you guys are wrong about some things. Um, You're wrong about how great God is. He's greater than anything. He can't dwell in one of the temples that we build for him. He's greater than that. And and you're wrong about his character, all right? He's not someone who needs us to serve him. He's actually someone who wants to serve us. This is something that we often get wrong about God. This is something Jesus said that was very important. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and lay down my life. Like, that's the God we have. That's the God we have who wants us to rest in his goodness and receive He doesn't need anything. He owns everything. He already has everything. He doesn't need anything. He wants to give us himself. Hallelujah, right? Um, So he, after building the connection and showing them he cares, then he's able to preach some truth. And we see this pattern repeating in the next part. Okay? Same pattern, plays out again. Um, So then... Uh, You get to verse, uh, is this thing not working for me? There we go. You get to verse 26. He says, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Okay. Um, well, uh, this is actually really interesting if you think about what's going on here. All right. So once more, he's, he's preaching Christ. And the way that he does it here is, is fascinating because he starts quoting one of their religious poets, as in his argument, um, you know, he says, uh, um, you know, after saying, you know, uh, that, that God made everything and that we should seek him, um, he says, verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, and you'll see like quotation marks in the scripture, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So these two different quotes, he's taken from, uh, the 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 pagan poets and what's really interesting is these poets weren't talking about the lord okay who are they talking about uh, zeus you know um the 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 greek god and and we know and paul knows zeus zeus is not god okay he's not the lord zeus the 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 character of zeus the He's, he's not the Lord, okay? But it's very interesting that once more, just like he did earlier, he walked around and found something he could connect with the truth. He'd, he's done it again. And so by taking a concept they already understand, once more, he's trying to communicate this isn't a foreign God, okay? Okay? this is a God that's already been working here before I got here, okay? He's trying to connect with them with concepts that they understand so it's their language, their heart language that's able to connect to God rather than getting them to to convert to a a new culture, right? But there's something more, okay? There's something more going on here. He's quoting their poets. What does that do, I was reminded when I thought about this of just an interesting encounter I had once. Um, I was at a coffee shop, back this is, you know back in Wisconsin, and um, a young woman I recognized. I saw her, and uh, you know I remembered that I knew her parents. I used to go to church with her parents, and she was home from college, and you know so we got to talking, and you know asking you know how life was, and, and this and that, and you know I tell her I'm a, a pastor. Um, now. And uh, so naturally, you know, our conversation was like, so, you know, how are your parents doing? And and so where are you at? Do you, are you part of the same church they are? Just kind of like a non-threatening way to just ask, you know, how she's doing spiritually and such. And she gave a very interesting response when I asked, like, you know, like, are are you part of the same church? She said, well, I don't know if that's not really for me, she said. I, I'm kind of like, I really like the Grateful Dead. <laughs> it's, that was what she said. Like, I, I, do, you, do you go to church? Well, I like the Grateful Dead. <laughs> um, if you don't know, the Grateful Dead is like a, um, uh, kind of like a, a psychedelic, you know, Southern rock jam band from the 60s, had a cult following. And... Um, She's like, yeah, I like like the Grateful Dead. And that seems like a weird answer, but I understood what she meant. What she was saying is, that's a foreign God. It's not for people like me, okay? That type of God is for, you know, your conservative Christians who don't listen to music like the Grateful Dead. I like the Grateful Dead. How can this God be for me? That's what she was essentially saying to me. And, well, she caught the wrong pastor for that conversation, okay? (laughs) Because... I looked at her. I'm like, "What's your favorite album?" Okay, <laughs> because uh, American Beauty is one of the greatest masterpieces you know ever made, and I can quote you know the entire album word for word pretty much. Um, so I'd love to talk about the Grateful Dead. Um, and uh, you know, by doing that, obviously that made her pause. And it's like, okay, wh- wh- what? Okay, you like the Grateful Dead? Okay, this, maybe this type of religion, maybe it's broader than I thought. Okay, maybe it's not just for those type of people. Maybe it's not just the foreign gods. And and, and someone here is thinking, did Pastor Charlie just advocate the Grateful Dead? Isn't that like godless, secular music that we... Well, you know what? Okay? You know what? When we're engaging with culture, okay? When, when I, I, could, I could go to that album, and, and I could say, you're right. You know, there's a song called Friend of the Devil, okay? Uh, uh, are we a friend of the devil? Not, no, <laughs> okay? So I can be like, yeah, uh, you're right in that regard. But on the other hand, you know, one of my favorite songs, Ripple, you know, the, the best line from that song is, you know, when they say, there's a fountain. Let it be known that there's a fountain that wasn't made by the hands of men. Okay? I could, I could say, hey, you know that song? Let it be known there's a fountain that isn't made from the hands of men. You know that's true. Okay? You know there is a fountain that we can all drink. I and mean, Jesus talked about that. You know, come all who are thirsty. Without price, it's free. You know? What I'm trying to say is, God's already been there. God, God God, was there before Paul got there, okay? Yeah, yeah, they have idols, okay? But God hasn't been absent. When you come in as a missionary, you have to listen. You gotta listen. Listen, listen. I'm not saying that you all need to go get that album and listen to it. It's a fantastic album, by the way. <laughs> um, you could, okay? You could. But what I'm saying is, We have to be a people who are listening. And you know what? They're gonna know if you're listening. They're gonna know if you've just showed up to speak or if you're willing to have a conversation, if you're willing to listen. We want them to listen to us, right? We need to listen, all right? Some people, they go and they get a box and they stand on the box in the corner and they open their Bible and they preach. And I'm sure God has used that before. All right? But I don't think it's the best approach as a missionary because almost everyone, you see that person and you're gonna be like, that person is not like me at all. Okay? That person's a way of, like it's like, I'm gonna stop you right there because nothing you say I'm really listening to because I can see that you're a foreigner. Okay? I can see that you didn't show up to listen. You just showed up to speak and you look and you're doing something that I would never even think of doing. So you don't have my attention. I'm not saying you need to go and buy this album or that album, but I'm saying, listen. Uh, If you're at work and all your coworkers talk about a certain TV show, maybe it's worth watching, okay? Maybe it's worth watching so you can have a conversation with them, okay? Um, Just listen, listen. That's all I'm trying to say. This is a, a huge principle of being a missionary. Uh, Jesus, okay, this message we have, Jesus. The gospel message we have is more than a message, all right? It is a message, but it's more than a message. It's a person. Let me explain. Jesus came. God could have just given the message in the sky, right? But Jesus came. He lived among us. He walked with us. And so when they listened to his words and they got to know his character, the two together, the character, the love, and the words combined, the, the gospel message is Jesus, the person and his truth. And so to be a missionary, it's not only about a message. It's about a person. It's about us being and showing the love of God in the way that, that Jesus did. Jesus left a very comfortable place, okay, heaven. And he came, he, he did cross-cultural missionary work in this way. And he came and he lived among us. And he, and, he, and he walked in our footsteps and he and he lived in our ways, you know um, to be a miss- to be a missionary uh, this is a big thing is is once more having a heart and a posture that's listening, and if we're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing, you know he puts us in these situations where you know someone says to you, "I can't be a Christian because I listen to the Grateful Dead, and it's like uh, you know, I know more about the Grateful Dead than you, you know, young lady. <laughs> you know, um, without respect, you know. Uh, so listen, um, because this is this is the big point. Was uh, a couple things here, you know. Um, once more, I, I told you there's the same formula. First, he's connecting with them, okay, showing he cares. You know, quote. Quoting their prophets, showing he cares. First he's listening, and then after building trust, then he's able to communicate some, some piercing truth, you know? Uh, God's going to judge the world. Um, oh, man. He doesn't lead with that, okay? He doesn't lead with that. That's not the first thing he said. It's actually one of the last things he said. But, but it is part of the message, you know. Um, sometimes in our desire to love and connect, we just kind of throw that part out. That's part of the message. Um, you know, God's going to judge the world. Um, but with this, what shall we do? I mean, what he told them was to to repent, which means turn. But turn from what, specifically, based on what he had said previously? Turn from what? Um, He's saying, turn, uh, verse 26 says, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of the lands. Verse 27, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he's not far from any one of us. Okay, so let me bring it home, hopefully. Their idea was that you're you're advocating for a foreign God. And the big thing that Paul's been trying to communicate is, no, he's been very close to you. Okay, he's near to every one of us. He's been here, he was here before I got here. He's here in your life, he is close. He is not far from any one of us. This is what you need to repent from. This is what you need to turn from. Um, stop pushing him away and acknowledge him. He's right here. He's right here. Seek him. That's what he's been doing all of this. He wants us to seek him. It's not complicated at all. He's right here. He's very close. You know, I had a conversation with someone really recently, and it's like, Evidence for God. You know, like, does he exist? And I didn't go into, like, apologetics, like all of the logical arguments for the truth of God, though those arguments have their place. um, A lot of times that's not what, what people need to hear. I said, and I say this often, if you look for him, you'll find him, okay? It's actually very, very uncomplicated. He's very close by. I promise you, look for him and you will find how true and real he is. He's very, very close. As Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Like it's as simple as letting me in. Jesus, come into your, to my life. If you're real, Jesus, if you're real, come into my life. That's the first prayer I've ever prayed. Jesus, if you're real, come into my life. It's so remarkably simple. Our God is real. Our God is alive. Our God is close by. He's just saying, turn from, from, from keeping the door closed. He's so close. He is going to judge the world someday. Be, be, be mindful of that. But right now, he's so good, you can have him. Open the door. Seek him. You'll find him. I, I promise you, if you seek him, you will find him. And Jesus said the same thing. All who seek, find. No one looks for him and doesn't find him. Okay? The the problem with mankind is we don't want to look for him. Okay? That, that's, that's the nature of sin, is we don't want to look. But if we look, we'll find him. Um well it ends with this: when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on the subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. So um, you got some people who are sneering. Um, Even our most loving and our best missionary efforts um, are still going to be rejected sometimes, Okay. That's not a fault on Paul screwing up, it's it's reality. Um, Other people said, You've began a conversation we want to keep having. Okay? And then others fully came to to salvation. Okay. Um, Wrapping it all up be a good missionary. How do we live in this world? We listen. We listen, we show people that we're listening, we show people we care. And and with that posture, with that posture, then we speak truth. We share the love of Christ. We tell people, God is very close. Just turn to him, he's very close. Um, hopefully this example of, of Paul being a missionary has spoken to you. Uh, we're gonna have a little time on Q&A. We're gonna continue this conversation. First, I'm gonna pray. Father God, I pray that the, uh, this would just sink in and stir our hearts um, to do just what we see the Apostle Paul do here, engage with the world um, in, a, in a conversation of love where people can see um, that we care, that we, we do care because you're living in us, Lord. Um, give us that heart of love. Help us communicate it. Help us have the right posture and, and the right words when it's time to speak. Uh, give us ears when it's time to listen and, and words when it's time to speak. And, and Holy Spirit, live in us because apart from you, we can't do this task. Um, so just guide us in your name, Jesus. Amen.